when I go to film schools, I like to tell people, we have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. That's right? okay. Everybody wants to be the chief producer. And again, it's changed that mindset. When people ask me what I do, I say I'm a storyteller. And it doesn't matter whether you're a producer, director, at the end of the day, it's a story that we're telling with the most yes. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode um, of the Real Podcast with Anile. Um, today we have another special guest. Um, so, actually, I would prefer that this guest, um, they actually introduce themselves. Um, her name is Beverly. She's from Trace TV, Cape Town. So, hi, Beverly. Welcome to the Real Podcast. Pleasure. I don't have to look at any of the cameras. I can no, see. you just talk to me. It's a conversation. Just so, as correction, I'm from Trace Studios. So not Trace, Trace, Trace Studios. Trace Studios. Sorry, guys. Trace Studios. I mean, I mean, for me, it's and the I'll same thing. And I'll tell you, as we go along, I'll tell you what yeah. the difference is. For me, it's the same thing. No, they're not. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so a bit about my yeah. background. So, so if you can just, like, just tell us about yourself, you know, mm. who you are and where you're coming from. So I'm probably regarded as one of the sort of veterans of the industry, the black industry. Mm, I've been in the industry for about 30 years. Um, oh, wow. I came into the industry in 1994. Um, so just to give you a bit of a background, before 1994, I was part of the liberation struggle. Um, wow, yeah. I was uh, imprisoned during the 80s um, oh, wow. for my activities. <laughs> I, was, I was making bombs. Um, <laughs> bombing the shit out of me. <laughs> And Let me just say, I was making bombs. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I got caught, and so I ended up in prison for two years, um, in Paul's Moore prison. Um, so I know racism intimately. Sure. And then when I came out of prison, I decided, fuck this shit. I'm now going to go learn how to make proper bombs <laughs> and shoot AK-47. So I went to training in um, Angola and Tanzania. Yeah. Um, and then came back and ended up being a courier for arms and people, basically. So it's very much involved in the sort of underground back sure. in the 80s and 90s. Ended up coming back, became an investigative journalist. Um, yeah. So sort of natural. Worked on the TRC, covered all the Truth and Reconciliation Commission hearings. Um, Realised in 1996 that I hadn't dealt with my own shit. That's what had happened to me when I was in prison. Mm. Um, so, resigned and started working in the film industry. So, so, so you were you were a journalist. I worked as an investigative journalist. So, investi- investigation journalist. So, was were, were you working for the government or you were working for a private sector? I or? was working. So, back in the nineties. Oh, this is a stupid question. Government was was what you were fighting. We were fighting them. Yeah. Exactly. Back yeah. in the nineties, <laughs> we were exposing. All the apartheid era death squads, mm. um, Flatlas, um, Eugene the Cock, CCB, so all the, all, all the assassinations we were yes. exposing, who was behind it. So we were doing it even before the TRC. Um, my early life as an investigative journalist was being on the run because they tried to kill us because we were exposing the truth. Yeah. Um, so it was almost automatic for that team. We ended up entering the SABC in 1994 because the SABC suddenly realized that they needed a 
authentic journalists to help them cover the country's first democratic elections. Mm. Um, and so that's how I ended up at the SABC, to help them cover the country's first democratic elections. We, I physically saw them take down F.W. de Klerk and put Nelson Mandela up. Wow. Know, I was there at that moment of transition. That must know. have been your proudest moment. Uh, yeah, but then I started to notice that the same type of person from the ANC was coming in that was the old National Party, yes. that uh, propaganda, sure. and I started to see the shit coming, and I was like, I'm out of here, right? Yeah. So I stayed there for two years. In 1996, I started up the TRC. Mm. I worked with Jacques Poe. Jacques Poe is now the guy that wrote The President's Keepers. He's just got a new book out, so he's doing all the exposés of corruption at the moment. Sure. Jacques comes from back in the day. And I would say one of my mentors was a journalist called Max Dupria. Is, is Max still around? Max is still around. They, there's an online Freya Club now. Shout out to you, Max. So they were Afrikaners who risked life and limb to expose the apartheid government. Mm. Um, and the saddest thing for me is that today their contribution to the struggle in this country is not acknowledged. They're just seen as racist white old men, and they're not. They were actually revolutionaries in their own right. Yeah. So anyway, um, we entered the SABC in 1994. It was a culture shock. For the first time, I saw the enemy right here, you know. <laughs> and we had to find a way to work together. But anyway, um, yeah. I then left the SABC. So, so, so when you went, so, so now, from, from being an investigation journalist, so you were working for a private sector at the time. Or you were independent? Yeah. We'd say independent, not private sector. Okay. Freya Vyoklat was an independent and then, um, newspaper. Okay, was, and, was then, and then you went to the SABC. Then I went Did to you, the work, SABC. you worked for the SABC? Or? Worked for the SABC for two years in news yeah. and current affairs. Music? News and or current news affairs. news and current affairs, okay, cool. It was mainly a current affairs sort of documentary sure. uh, 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 journalist. Yes. Um, what was very fortunate about that time was that they, they realized that we, had, we were good journalists, but we didn't really understand the media. So they brought in the BBC, they brought in the Canadians, the CBC, and they brought in the ABC, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. And I did training so, courses with so, all of these people. So they brought all of these two to work with the SABC? To train. Or to train. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear you. you. A bunch of journalists who came in, in the visual media. Right. Uh, yes. So I was very fortunate. We were trained by the Thompson Foundation, which is the BBC's documentary wing based yes. in Wales. Yes. Um, we were sent to Wales. We went to go and do courses wow. there. That's so great. in that time, I was very fortunate that there was all this training happening. Um, just a quick question. Sorry for cutting you. So who sent you there? It was the SABC, actually, or was the government? SABC. SABC sent you to be trained in Wales. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so they were investing quite a lot of... Um, capital in, in training this bunch of lefty journalists who had entered the SABC, basically. Yeah. You know. um, our mandate was clear that we needed to change content, right? For me, transformation wasn't just putting black bums on seats, yes. but it was also changing the content of what we were seeing on, on screen. Sure. So I would say my first documentaries was the first of its kind that was showing the impact of what apartheid had done to people from black people's perspectives. Because prior to that, 
we only saw it from a white journalist's perspective of what had happened to the poor blacks. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. For the first time, we were giving a voice to the voiceless. Wow. So in a way, we were kind of trailblazers back. And I'm now talking 90, 94, 95, right? Um, and then the TRC happened in 96. We started the first... So we ended up being selected to be the journalist covering the TRC for the country. And I think that was probably, probably the most traumatic period. So, so what, what, what is TRC? The Truth and Reconciliation Truth Commission. and Reconciliation. Um, it was probably the most traumatic period of my life because I suddenly realized... Were you also there? I was, I was a journalist covering... The, oh, the hearings. I still remember. I was still young at the time. That was huge. Like many yeah. families, like, yeah. My problem was that <clears throat> a lot of white cops were coming to confess to me. Um, they called us the Bank. What is that in English? Um, yeah. Bich is. Uh, um, would, I mean, anyway. the viewers at home or the listeners, they yeah. would just recite. I mean, so they would walk in and I would be the only darkie that they'd see and they'd say, I want, I want to come and confess. It's like a confession. And so I had to listen to many stories of men telling me how they murdered people um, and how these people came to them at night and they couldn't sleep because these spirits weren't rested. You know. Oh, wow. Um, so my own psychosis started. <laughs> Because it was just crazy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It was a very crazy time in our country. Yes, yes. And so I realized that I hadn't dealt with a lot of my own shit. Um, and so I started to take my work home with me. And that's not good when you take your... I couldn't just be normal. Yes. You know? And then I decided, 24-hour notice, I'm out of here. <laughs> and I left. So you're you out, you out of where? Um, I left the SABC. The SABC. And I went to go freelance in the film and television industry in Johannesburg so. in drama because I wanted to. My thing was I need to worry about what actors wear and what it's about. Less I was about. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and I ended up working in every single department because I said one day when I'm a producer, I want to know what each department does. That's the case, yes, exactly. I wanted to be a director because my first love was always directing. Yes. But I very quickly realized that South Africa followed the Hollywood model of producer-run productions rather than sorry, for, I'm sorry for cutting you. I was, I was talking to a South African producer about one of my stories, which he likes. And he says that, Andile, I can help you with the story. But if the narrative can, I mean, if the, the what do you call this, the, the audience wouldn't just reflect South African story, but it can be like on the level of like Hollywood in terms of the narrative of the story. You know, I'm like, nah, this is how I want my story. Because this story is like, you know, South African, pure, clean South African story. You know, it doesn't have to be changed there and there and there. And there. So I, I do agree with what you are saying. Some of South African um, um, producers but are... The, the problem with, with South Africa is that, unlike Europe, so in Europe, it's all right? So the director mm. controls the creative. Europe. Probably even in, in Korea, it's a PD, producer, director, is yes. one person. But Hollywood and South Africa, the producer 
oh, controls the creative. So, so the period that I always I usually I would I would see on these like BBC I mean documentaries, it's it's producer director. I would ask myself, one what row. does that mean? One what row. does that PD PD mean? Yeah. It's one Which, row. Oh, so, so the producer was the director yeah. as well. Oh, and now I understand. Because I always ask myself, like on this BBC documentaries that I always watch, you know. You watch any Korean drama? Yeah. Or, or even movie, you'll see PD, yeah. producer director. I know, right? I get it. But in South Africa, I realized that, produce, that directors were guns for hire. Um, and the producer was the one that controlled the creative. Mm. Right. And so I had to make a decision in 1996. I remember I worked on the one of the first um, new South African drama series called Mola Fish. I know Mola um, Fish. Mola Fish was huge. 1996. Yeah, Mola Fish was huge. We shot it on Super 16, actually. Really? So I started in the industry when we shot on film, dude. Not video, right? Yeah. Um, and that's when I realized. And my mentor, Barry Krill, who was actually from Cape Town, one of the top Barry, line Barry Krill? Yeah. I know Barry. Yeah. I know Barry, Barry died two years ago, but he was one of my... He what? Mentors. He died two years no, ago. No, you're lying. Barry Krill, yeah. Barry's no more? No. I worked with Barry. Yeah. He was a... He was a um, I was the first AD. That was like three years ago, four, no, four years ago. I was the first AD on a job, and Barry was a... He's actually the one. Oh, my goodness. He was my... I would say he taught me most of what I know. Um, as a mentor. What an amazing guy. Yeah. What an amazing and amazing guy. Yeah. Barry Krill. I know Barry. And he said to me at the time, you're going to need to decide whether you want to be a director or a producer. You can't be oh, both. Oh, my goodness. And I kind of more and more then moved into producing because I'm a bit of a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> so I decided <laughs> I want to be in control of the creative. And so more and more I kind of moved in the... But yes. if I have to step in and I have on occasion had to, because sometimes my director was on coke or something, um, <laughs> step into the shoot. Um, I can do that because I've, I can direct. Yes. I'm an actor's director. I'm not yes. really a technical director. I'm an actor's director. Um, so from 96 to the present, well, until 2020, 2019, yeah. I worked for myself. I ran my own production company for almost 12 years. It was called oh, wow. Black Films. Pitch platforms. Yeah. Um, we were based in gardens here in Cape Town. Wow. And then I went to Joburg in 2020. So, so what was your production company doing? Were you pay, doing, I mean, like drama stuff? or? I mainly did documentaries. We did everything. Magazine shows, mainly television, children's shows, uh, entertainment shows. Um, I very quickly got bored because I realized I didn't become, I'm not, because I see myself as a storyteller. Yeah. Um, I didn't become a storyteller to fill a hole on television. Yeah. I started to feel like I'm a factory and I was churning out. Sure. So I eventually said, no, I can't do this anymore. The SABC then imploded in 2009. Okay, so let's just like um, go back just a little bit. So um, from the SABC, you, st you opened your own production company, yeah. which is Peach Black. First started with my one-person operation, which is called Ancestral Vision. Yes. Um, and then... When I partnered with my husband and another filmmaker, we then formed a company called Pitch Black Film. Sure. Um, we actually won a SAFTA. Um, oh, really? Best, um, historical documentary series. It was a show called um, What's Your Story? Yeah. Um, it was on SBC One. We ended up doing almost 70-odd episodes. That's crazy. And then I started to feel like a factory. Um, and I was like... 
Call you the shit. I'm that kind of person. I have call you the shit. When you done, you done. <laughs> and then I just I realized uh, Cape Town is an incredibly racist city, um, especially if you a freelancer. Mm-hmm. And realized when what which year was that? 2008, 2009. Fantastic. Okay, cool. That's around about the time when no, I started like earlier than that. Yeah. So I realized, no, if I wanted to upskill myself, I needed to go back to Joburg. Mm. Um, and then I went to Joburg for another the case. 12 years. It's always the case. Because I wanted to come back with skills in the narrative, in, yeah. in drama. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that, um, I mean, we have a guest that actually says that um, I wanted to upskill myself. I had to go to Joburg. No, no, no. I'm glad because I've been saying that myself. No, no, no. And, and, and people will start thinking that now. No, this guy, there's something wrong about him. You won't be able to upskill yourself here. I'm, I'm glad. Here. We'll get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm just when I hear your background, and then we're going to get into yeah. the nitty gritty stuff. And then, anyway, so I went to Joburg, um, thought I could work as a series producer, um, because my instinct is creative. Mm. I'm a writer as well. Yeah. And then realized that budgets were so shit. Um, <laughs> producers themselves had become the series producers, and they were looking for line producers. Yeah. And I became a line producer by default um, because I'd run my own production company, so I knew so how to do years. books, you know. Yeah. So I ended up becoming a line producer. And I'm not sorry because I then ended up working on, from 2011 to 2018, I kind of worked as a line producer, series producer on an enormous amount of drama series. I also happened to be in Joburg at the time when telenovelas suddenly came into on the scene. Crazy. We didn't know what the hell it was. It was this hybrid between a sort of um, yeah. daily soap and a drama. You yes, know? yes. So we had to find our feet, and I'm glad because I now know exactly what it is. Yes, yes. Um, and then ended up being headhunted by at that time in 2019. It was called Officially Media. Ogusa um, Media. Yeah, to okay. start up the drama department. Ogusa Media then got bought by Trace Global, which uh, is a... That's what, that's what I wanted to ask. Which I is a, uh, an international French-based company. Okay, so Ogusa Media is no longer independent now. No, they, it doesn't they, exist anymore. Not ex- so there's no Ogusa anymore. So Trace Studios came about as a combination of Ogusa Media... Zero Gravity, which is a production company in Johannesburg, 360, which was a digital yes. com- company, yes, and Magnitude I, Studios. I know, I know 360 is. So those four companies came together to form Trace Studios. Yeah, 360, so, they actually follow me on Instagram. Okay. So Trace Studios is a production company that creates, produces, and distributes. We have a very strong distribution arm, and our distribution arm is in Paris, right? So... We global. Yes. Currently, so I then in 2021, when Trace restructured the company, yes. I was appointed as the vice president of scripted content for Trace Inter- for Trace okay. Studios International. So, so Trace bought Okusa Media. Yeah. Around about 2021. No, they bought, in 20, they bought them in 2019, but the deal only really came through in 2020 because I had to do due diligence, okay. you know, all of that. So shit. 2020, what were you doing at Okusa? So it was still Okusa at the 2020. Then from 2020 to, to 20... To now, it became Trace Studios. It became Trace. So when it became Trace Studios, and then they made you like um, a vice president of unscripted? Of scripted. No, no, of scripted. Yeah. Okay. So that my 
designation at the moment is BP scripted. That's at, great. That's, that's, at the moment, that sounds like a cool description. Very cool. Because <laughs> I'm, at the moment, I'm doing a drama <laughs> series in Nigeria. Really? I'm doing a drama series in Ghana. Yeah. I'm going. To, I'm developing a drama series in Cote d'Ivoire. I'm doing a drama series in Martinique in Guadeloupe. It's in crazy. Caribbean. And then I'm busy with a Netflix drama series um, for with Dion Mayer for, yes. for Netflix. Um, SABC has also just commissioned us to do a telenovela. Um, yeah. Do they have money? We hope. <laughs> um, I think they're going to only yeah. give a few production companies because stuff. They, no, listen, yeah. I know. Um, but we still, obviously, as Trace, <laughs> still do children's shows, but yeah. I don't have anything to do with that, yeah. um, or unscripted shows. We just did Real Housewives of Cape Town. Um, oh, oh, really? Probably going to do season two. So. We also have just um, gotten The Voice, so we're doing The Voice. Sure. Um, so Trace Studios does unscripted and scripted, and then also what we call Factory, which is like commercial, kind of, not commercial, more kind of... Um, Branded content, basically. Okay, so 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 as the president, as, as the vice president of uh, of Trace Studios, so what's your role? Like 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 when you say you're going to wake up in the morning, I'm the vice president of Trace Studios. What are you I'm going? Scripted. What Trace? Studios. Sorry, scripted. Mm-hmm. You know, scripted. So what are you going to work to do? I wake up and I think, hmm, <laughs> let me think of a great idea for a drama series or for a. That's a cool job. Beautiful. I, I would, I would I'm love doing that. Now I would love that. But I, yeah, I hate line producing. So I'm at the moment doing what I really love doing, which is yeah. creative. Yes. So we come up with concepts. I work with young people. Um, I've just interviewed about nine ex after graduates. Uh, I'm choosing one of them to mentor to come yes. into my team. Sure. Um, and all we do is we come up with concepts. With content, yeah. content, concepts, yeah. and content. For the and and we. We do a lot of intelligence gathering. Sure. Who's looking for what? So what, 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 what concepts are you guys looking I mean, are you looking for or what content, content are you creating? Like any, because, you know, when you talk about Trace, most of the people, they think of music. Of music. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it, it's, it's great that, you know, we see this side of, of Trace Studios, you know, yeah. because Trace is not just music. You know, no. there's, it's, it's broader. So we're, the, so we're the content kind of creators of Trace. Yes. There's Trace TV and that's music. Yeah, which will commit they they will probably commission us to do content for them, mm. right? But we our, our mandate is broader than just doing stuff at Trace TV. Yeah, right? um, we don't just we, of course yes. Um, at the moment, we're developing a documentary series on Ready D, um, which will probably show on Trace. I mean, um, actually, yeah, I've been asking myself that question for so long. When is a proper Ready D doing that documentary doing coming that out? I've been asking myself yeah. that question. When yeah. is it? Just, a, I mean, there are some other things, but a proper one. Absolutely. Proper Ready D. Yeah. You know? And he's involved in the process. So That's cool. You know, That's great. So, That's great. But I'm interested in authentic South African stories, um, authentic South African voices. So, for example, we, and changing the narrative, right? Because yeah. I believe. And I've had this discussion with Netflix as well. The problem with South African stories mm. is that it's caught in Bantu stands. Right? Yeah. Um, our writers are locked in a apartheid era mindset. Mm. Right? So we, we write from stereotypes. We don't write about archetypes. 
So when we think black man, oh, infidelity. Scare. Mm. Oh, don't talk about talent people. Jolly what not? Do to the school. Gangster. Exactly, yeah. No fucking teeth, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Stereotype, right? A black woman? Ah, femme fatale. Slay queen. Mm. Bitch. You know, yeah. kills her husband. Steals other women's husbands. Yeah. Right? Tell me any South African story. There's two families. Yeah. They are fighting about something. The children fall in love. It's very fucked up, Romeo and Juliet. But anyway, <laughs> guns, right? Stab, backstabbing. I mean, you know, yeah. that's that's the South African narrative. Yeah, exactly. I'm always arguing that we don't have a South African aesthetic. Mm. That we don't have an understanding of what South African story is. We've taken the worst of Hollywood, morphed it a little bit, and we put in that forward the South African Exactly. Right. It's, so, al- it's almost like when we create stories, we, we don't create stories for us. No. We create stories for who the person that is going to be buying into the story, what Precisely. They, they will think. You know? So it's no longer we, we're thinking from the perspective, okay, this is what this South Africa is about. And yeah. we know that, yeah. but the problem is we have to take this to, to people, so we have to change now. But we, what, what, what our other problem is also is that we are focused on plot and yeah. not focused on character. Yes. Right? And what television, we're now living in the high noon of television, right? Yes. Golden era of television. Yes. Television is almost at the same level as feature films, yeah. right? Writers are writing for television as if they're writing for feature films, right? We're not there. Yeah. We're still making, I won't mention the shows on That's Netflix, true. but we're still making stuff that look very glossy. Yes, yes. So quality-wise, it's 4D and it looks great. Mm-hmm. But in terms of content, ask it's, any it's... ordinary South African, they can't relate to it. No, it's true. Because it's true. No, it's, true. it's not I mean, our story. Yeah, you know? that's true. So for me, for example, we did a show for SABC. We've just been recommissioned to do a third season. Oh, my God. And <laughs> thank you, SABC, yeah. but the budgets are so shit. But yeah. anyway. Um, but it keeps the cash flow going. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a series called Signal High, which is set at a high school called Signal, Signal High. Signal High was right. the one that was done by Obuse Media. Back in the day, now Back in the studios. Day. The first so one I, was I, awful. Are you go, I was about to ask that. Are you guys going to upgrade no, this one? Because that you one was should have seen bad. the second one. The second one was directed by Vincent Malloy, award-winning SAFTA um, yes. director who did um, Chovito. Yeah, um, Chovito. I brought Vincent in from Joburg. Sure. I know Vincent since he's 18 and he owed me a favor. Yeah. So I brought him in and we changed the whole look of yes, Signal High sure. to in the second season. Yeah, that, so I mean, the first I one was bad. No. It was bad. Don't, I, was not, I wasn't even part of that. I wasn't even near officially when they did that. Yes. They did that in 2017. Um, when I watched the first one, I was like, mm, MV. But anyway. Right? But we did a great job of the second one. Yeah. The casting was completely different. I changed every, everything. Yeah. Um, you, know, you, you know what I usually say sometimes? Sometimes it's not even about the budget, it's about the people that you work, you work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can have like yeah. a less budget and have like well experienced people yeah. who are willing to work and, yeah. you know, and give. Uh, but so when, for me, everything starts with story. Right? And so when we sat, in the, when I sat with my writers in the writer's room, mm. we said, let's create characters that. Are different but believable. So, how many writers do you do use? You, five. Use five. So each each writer has they have their own responsibility. Yeah. So what is what like what does the like like your main focus writers like 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 if you say you know um, if you mess up you mess up the story and that but if that person messes up 
at least yeah. we can cover so, it up. So because we had 13 episodes and we had five writers, each one got an opportunity to write two, mm. right? And they did everything on that particular episode, but we were fortunate that we were writing it under lockdown level five. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And we were able to run Zoom sessions, my God, probably five, six hours a day. She's like, yeah, um, that's like being in the office. But we were able to talk through that every single person knew exactly what each character was. So it was almost a godsend that we ended up having to write it under, yes. you know, COVID lockdown. Yes. Um, that everybody was giving input into everyone's episode. That's right? great, yeah. But so, for example, we created this white character, and I'm using this particular as an example about that mindset of South African writers. Yeah. So immediately the writers go, okay, so she's the racist bitch, and I'm like, why? Because she's white. No. Exactly. No. Exactly. So I changed her, and she became, the, in fact, in terms of our viewer feedback, the viewers loved her the most. She ended I'm, so, up I'm, so, I'm sorry for I, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation you know you know the reason I'm enjoying this conversation because each and every single piece you, you say each and every single thing you say it almost like reference on a place where I was and then I was I was I was I said something about this whole race thing about in the film that's in Cape Town and then I was I was misinterpreted mm. you know to the point that at some point I was like okay cool um, black people don't have enough opportunities I'm like I don't hate white people. In oh. fact, my, my mentors in the industry were white people. Yes. Actually, all of my mentors were white people. Absolutely. People who helped me in the industry were white people. Oh. When some other black, which I understand because there's less opportunities in Cape Town for black people. So if a black people get an opportunity. They want um, to keep you out. Exactly. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's almost like it's almost something like that, that mm. they have it for themselves. I think of scarce resources. Yes. But my point was that I don't, I don't, have, I don't have any problem with, 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 with white people in the film industry. Yeah. But the, the fact that, I mean, there were white people that mentored me and helped me to be where I am today in the industry does not take away the fact that... The industry needs to be transformed. Exactly. The, in, yeah. the, the industry in Cape Town needs transformation yeah. when it comes to gender base, yeah. comes to color, when it comes Absolutely. to color and gender. Absolutely. You know what I mean? But I also so, think just in terms of the kind of stories that we tell, you yeah. know, because for me, as much as I object to black people being stereotyped, uh, yes. colored people being stereotyped, White people have been stereotyped, you know, the white racist, yes. the white rich person, you know. Yes. Um, tell that to people who live in Reitabach, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, for example, so I created this character called Candace, and I made an EFF supporter, right? Because there are white kids that mm. support the EFF. So she was a red beret, mm. and she was, like, you know, really militant. Um, and I made the black character the Boogle. The long nails. And, oh, I can't. No, no. You know, and people had never seen this before. Yeah. So we changed the stereotype and made it archetype. So, yes. okay, Candace is the warrior. You know, this one's a damsel in distress. And, you know, so you change the narratives. And so for me, storytellers, we are in a very, very privileged position in changing mm. the way people perceive themselves by changing those yes. stereotypes into archetypes. Yes. You know, and... In the same way, I was told by the SABC, you'll never find black crew in Cape Town. All the productions that we have in Cape Town. I love this conversation oh. because everything you are saying, it refers back to everything that I was, yes. conversations that I was having, like, I, I love they, that. They, they kept on saying to me, you know, if, if you can't find black crew, we're going to have to give it to a company in Joburg. That's the thing. No. Listen, listen so, 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 sorry, but. You don't mind no, me no, saying no, 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 no. 
So that's the thing. One lady at um, Durban Film Festival, when I was invited to be one of the speakers there in Durban Film Festival, Durban Film Art or something like that. Oh, Mark, yeah. Yes. I, I raised this issue. And then she said that a black woman sitting in the middle of um, everyone, she said to me, no, there are black people in, in, in Cape Town. There are black um, HODs in Cape Town. I was like, no, it's simply because they're coming from Joburg. They're coming from Joburg. If you see a 50% black um, HOD, 50% white HOD, it's simply because of it's a production from Joburg. You know what I mean? It's not like it's a production from Cape Town. Yeah. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, or, or, or maybe a director requested a DOP. Well, from I have been Vincent Malloy from Joburg you know? as a great black director to come direct my series here because I couldn't also look, I've been out of the loop in Cape Town, so I don't really know who's who. You don't know. But in Joburg, exactly. That's the thing. Right. And, and, and that's the whole point. Yeah. It shouldn't be like that. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like a producer when they think about a black yeah. director, they think Joe Beck. Yeah. You know, it should be, oh, I know that guy. Exactly. He's, in, he's in Cape Town. Exactly. Those, you know? th those are the things yeah. that, you know, so I, I'm, I'm loving what but you're so saying. So now, because of like DTI um, sort of BEE criteria and stuff, you cannot qualify for DTI unless you have a certain percentage of black HOD. So yes. you suddenly have to start thinking, where the hell are they? Yes. And so when I got told by the SABC in my pitch to them, yeah, if you can't give us black crew, then you know we're going to have to give it to Joba Company. I remembered that in 2006-2007, when we were doing a drama series in Cape Town, mm. our Cape Town actors, black actors, had yeah. all moved to Joba because... In their minds, there was no work for them here. Yes. So I suddenly had to pay to bring Cape Town-based actors back to Cape Town to act in a Cape Town production, right? Yes. Um, and so you, so you start to say to the acting fraternity saga, mm. the African Guild of Actors, we need to have Cape Town actors stay in Cape Town. And mm. the actors are saying to us, but what opportunity is there? You know? So the, it is changing now with Netflix coming in and Amazon and yes. production starting happening Cape Town. I was, I, was, I was saying... Um, um, so Netflix. I know a lot of actors are now suddenly starting to say maybe yes. we should move back to Cape Town. Net Netflix actually... Have changed. It's changing it because I remember when I did the thing for them, the EPK for Blood Water for them, they, they specifically were looking for a black director in Cape Town and then the producer recommended me. You know, so I, 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 I Netflix is coming in in a good way. In a very good way. In a very, very, very good, good way. way. You know, so... But what I found was... When we were shooting Signal High in 2020, in fact, we yeah. shot it during COVID, and I actually picked up COVID on that bloody shoot, um, was that there are black crew in Cape Town. They're just not HODs. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I, would, I found this amazing art director who on international productions was working as a set dresser. Yeah. Um, and who probably would have worked for time immemorial as a set dresser yes. or uh, props master. But actually after 15 years, could be a great art director. So I brought him, so I went to all the junior positions mm. on international production in Cape Town and found these amazing crew members that mm. were incredibly talented who I've been brought into my productions as HODs, you know. Um, mm. And um, I think now with Netflix and Amazon and, you know, Viu and all of these sort of streamers coming in here, um, there's going to be much more opportunity. Sure, sure. But I also do think that the, there has to be a paradigm shift mm. among the white industry and the black industry. Yes. 
the black industry needs to stop being a bunch of complaining, yes. moaning delinquents yeah. who are standing on the outside going, yeah, but there's no opportunity for us to create your own opportunity. Exactly. You know? um, yeah. Especially now there's Netflix. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And at the end of the day, the problem with South Africans often is that they don't, and I think it's a legacy of apartheid, and it's not just black people, yes. it's white people as well. They are scared to think big, right? Because they're scared of failure, mm. right? Um, sometimes maybe they're even scared of success, right? So they always want to then go for the safer option. And so I think with these streamers coming in, you've got to lose your fear. You know? Yes, yes. And, and when you come up with a story, understand that your audience is global. Your audience no longer is only that family of yours in Soweto. Exactly. You know? It's a broader audience. Yes, exactly. So come up with local stories, but that has universal appeal. Yeah. And that's the kind of stories that I attract. People come to me with concepts. Yes. Is what I'm looking for. For example, so, the series we're doing for Canal Plus at the moment in Nigeria yeah. is a African version of Six Feet Under, which is literally a burial, um, a, a family that owns this burial business. Yes. Um, so we look at the different rights of burial in Nigerian culture, but with a tongue firmly in cheek, mm -hmm. with a whole lot of other shenanigans going on you know, in, in, a, in this particular family. Sure. Um, and that's not the kind of normal stories that are coming out of Africa. Um, I think we also need to shift the focus of black stories from being pain and suffering and... From being, from being obvious. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? It's a, it's we all know that people exactly. are starving in Africa, please. Exactly. You know. Exactly. We've seen that hundred times. Exactly. So, know, let's start, yeah, so let's start telling stories about, um, okay, look, this is the other extreme of what, famous and whatever. For me, that's not real. But it's that in-between thing of yeah. telling just ordinary human stories of people that have a joie de vie, you know, mm. that have a sense of, a sense of themselves and, 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 and want to achieve things in life you know, and, and focus on those kinds of stories of overcoming and, yeah. and, and being um, assertive. Exactly. Know? Exactly. No, no, no. I mean, that's, I mean, that's great. You know, um, you know, as I said, that like the most thing that I love about everything that you've been saying is that um, everything that you just said, it's almost like an answer to these people that I was talking about off, I mean, I'm talking about off, off, offline now, you know, about such things. It's almost like you're bringing answers to these things. That we were talking, and, this, and these people will be listening to this, I know that, mm. you know, because they have been following us, you know, they will be listening to me. So I'm glad that you, 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 touched, you touched me. So, so you're saying that now, because of um, all these, like, streamers are coming through Netflix and all of that, things are changing. So, like, what is it that you think, because obviously, these streamers, they come with their power. Mm. You know, we have the money, we have, you know, um, the, the resources, we have this. So this is what we want. So how do you think us as like um, Cape Town crew, Joker crew, whatever, you know, can change, can make, trans can make this transformation when it comes to this gender, gender and, and color issue in, in, in Cape Town, because it's a problem. And, and, and it, you know, the problem that I have, um, Bev, is that a lot of black people, they know, but they are all behind the curtain. You know, no one wants to speak because everyone, if you speak, someone is gonna take your bread. Your HOD that hires you on each and every single job is not going to hire you anymore because mm. it's white. Mm. The director that hires you to be their focus puller, they won't hire you anymore. Mm. 
I mean, or the DOP, but I ask you this, just to ask the own IA because you're talking about gender issues, mm. which is very, why do they want this issue to be talked about? Because it's a very sensitive issue and it's truth. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So, so, so the question now, um, coming from a background, someone that has fought for, you know, for freedom, you know, of, 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 of color, um, what do you think needs to change? Like just forget about this about, about because Netflix can decide tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I no longer want to be. I don't want yeah, yeah, yeah. to South Africa. Like I'm talking about us now as South Africans and as crew, black and white, like in South in Cape Town. Like, what do you think needs to happen for this thing to be taken seriously and to be seen and to stop transformation? So, besides putting a bomb under their asses, um, firstly, the industry is poised an enormous growth at the moment, right? Yeah. We are soon going to be in the same situation as the UK. At the moment, the UK has not got enough crew mm. for all the productions that are happening because of the streamers and everything else, right? Yes. So a lot of South Africans have moved to the UK. A lot of my colleagues that I know yeah, I are know. all in the UK. I know, right? I know, yes. We're, gonna, we're reaching that level here soon. We're going to have not enough crew because competent crew, there's about 2,000 of us yeah. in South Africa could say between Joburg and Cape Town that are working. It's not enough. Yeah, that's not enough. We're definitely going to need government intervention, right? I'm part of the IPO, and we've been having conversations with government precisely about this, that we're going to... I mean, I've been having... um, Right. We we need intervention. We we have an organization called Independent Directors Association. So, um, but... I haven't spoken to Yorisa about this. I have been in touch with, with some parliament members and some like some parliament members. We have exchanged some emails with them talking about this issue. Um, so I'm going to put you in contact with my husband, who's the co-chair of the IPO, the Independent Producers Organization. I'll remind you. And you know because you need to be talking with the IPO and the, so that the IPO and the IDA, 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 Ida. Work together. Work together. That's, that's, that's great. Absolutely. That, that's, so that's part of that's what, what I'm I want. That that's what I want. We almost need this industry cohesion. I'm going to tell you, sorry, I'm going to tell you one thing. Because of I've been, I've came out and then I've been voicing, I've made lots of enemies with a lot of oh, people, okay. lots of white people. Yes. You know, people that believed in me, people who were backstabber. You, you know, know uh, people who believed in me. Once I started talking about this issue and then some other white people, or some other friends of mine, were like, I mean, we watched that um, Devin Full match of yours. I think you were a little bit, um, you know, I mean. So you need to be validated. That's, that's what they were telling me, some of them, sending messages, saying that we've watched it, and we, I mean, we, one of them said, we, I was like, I'm to, they're talking to me now. What do you mean we? Which means they've been talking about this with other people, yeah. that we think that you said, like, a lot more that, you know, now you, you, you should. Now you NWA. You should have. with attitude. <laughs> she said to me, you should have at least approached it, saying to me that what you said was right, Andy, but at least you should, have, you should have said it in the right way. I'm like, which right way? I'm saying as it is. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then from there, I, and then I started like losing. Like, I think I remember seeing you at the, you were on a panel. I on a panel. Yeah, I do remember you. Are you with the IBFC? IBFC. Ah, independent, yeah, 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 independent yeah, yeah, black yeah, yeah, filmmakers, yeah, 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 yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. yes. The I guy, remember you now. The guy that was angry. Yeah. That was angry on stage, you remember? <laughs> I was, a guy that I was, was at that DFM. The guy know. that was angry on stage. Very angry on stage. <laughs> I remember now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it got overheated, didn't it? Yeah. And okay. It, it did hit it with, and with some of black people because some other black people, because of 
they are managed by you know yeah. they you know i'm like okay cool i'm gonna continue. so once that happened then that's when i realized that it's the beginning of my journey on this thing yeah. because why are they going to act like this if it's not wrong yeah you know what i mean but i think we are going to need the assistance of our white colleagues and i hate having to use the apartheid era fucking terminology of white and black yeah. but unfortunately it's the legacy of south africa yes we are going to have to unite as irrespective of color filmmakers who are interested in telling and owning the ip of authentic south african stories mm. need to unite together sorry to transform this sorry industry. to cut you um, i remember one one other parliament guy said to me like but off records send me a message say bro if you want this to to work um take i mean involve a political party like an EFF and then i was like no i don't want to make it politically no, no that's that, that's not the issue no 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 no, no. That, that's listen that's what i said i said listen i said i said to him listen brother i appreciate you talking to me on the side trying to you know to to advise me of how to but i don't want to make this political we'll only see them maybe 5 years anyway in your voting time exactly you know because once yeah. it, i don't want I, i want it to be something that um filmmakers are involved in yeah. you know what as ipo like yeah. now you're going to connect me with your husband and we're going to you know yeah. take the fight further because i'm somewhere with this issue yeah. and ipo also yeah. they are somewhere with the issue yeah. we're going to join forces together we have to realize that the industry has to transform government is going to start penalizing the industry and it just happened with all of these um rebates that the government refused to pay yes. right um they're going to find punitive ways to punish people if transformation doesn't exactly it is a bit of a insult to the industry that how many years down the line we still talk about transformation in the industry yeah. right it has to transform it's a problem. but we have to have everybody on board mm-hmm. like you were saying your your mentors were white white people well, they were white people, people. Right? so with me right exactly and in many ways it makes sense because a lot of white people have far more experience exactly right? do you know what one of my mentors said to me after they watched they said Andy I watched your podcast and then said Andy they watched he, he said said Andy I watched your podcast keep up the keep up the good fight yeah. and then I knew what he was talking yeah. about said Andy I watched your podcast keep up the good fight he's a white one of my, one of my old mentors a white guy but, you know what I'm, so this thing is not about white and black it's about transformation we need to be we, we need to be having our eyes on the prize and the eyes on the prize is a successful burgeoning successful South African film and television industry that can compete globally, right? Mm. If you think about it, the South African film industry is even older than Hollywood, right? We were making films here in South Africa when Hollywood didn't even bloody exist. Exactly. The first feature film that was made in South Africa was called The Great Trek, right? And it was made in 1908 or something, yes. right? No, 18, 1800s, 18, 1890 something, yeah. right? You can find that film in the archives in Pretoria. Apartheid unfortunately just messed up the history of the South African film industry. Yeah. Becoming what it was. Yes. A propaganda machine. But so we have a long history of and for me, I don't know you guys are probably too young. But the best drama series that was ever created in this country was done by Afrikaners. Mm. Right? Those drama series called Arinda and Um, I, I believe that. I believe that. There were all that. these SABC, mm. 
go on to the school, it's usually one, two, and three. Back in the day. CCTV. Yeah. CCTV. They made, and TV one at the school, right? Or TV, yeah, TV, TV one. They made these incredibly authentic South African story, Africana, South African drama series, yes. right? That was on par with the best in the world, right? Mm. And I've always said, the way, you know how theatre works, because I come from a theatre background, sure. right? The way theatre works is that you always learned from the actor that had been in the industry for longer than you. So Absolutely. as a young intern, you would watch an actor and you think, I want to be like that guy, yeah. you know. Um, I come from a period in the industry where we did apprenticeships, right? Mm. There wasn't like you went to film There was no film school for black yes. people. <laughs> it was, I think there was sticks for white people in Pretoria, <laughs> but that was it. There wasn't a, a, a film department at Wits, UCT, none of that, right? Yeah. Um, you learned on the job with a mentor, Barry Creel being my mentor yes, right? yes. back in the day. What an amazing guy. Um, and that's how you learned the hard way because you were working on the job. You couldn't afford to fuck up, you know, because mm. you, were, you were working on the job. So we almost need to turn to that thing of, of apprenticeships, right? But yeah. also I think the most important thing is that we have to get the buy-in of everybody. Because for me, when I watched a guy like an actor like Danny Kioch, for example, mm. came onto the set of a series we were shooting for Fremantle here in Cape Town, it was called Interrogation Room, and he was playing a baddie. We had some junior black actors, um, young graduates from after, mm. on the same set. And they watched Danny Kioch. Danny Kioch, every take that he did, Mm. Smoking in the scene. Every take that he did, he lit his cigarette at the same moment. He blew the same amount of rings. At every take, exactly the same. That's precise. Right? Yeah. Now that is a master. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's you speak of your fucking skin color. That is a master at yeah, work. Exactly. Right? And you could see these young black actors looking at him. Oh my God. And that's when I realized the damage that we are doing because of this Bantu stanization, yeah. right, of content, is that young black kids are not getting the opportunity to work with these old stalwarts mm. because Danny Kioch does not speak Kosa, mm. right? So he's not in the, in the series because we need to have only Kosa speaking people. Yeah, that's right? true. When we were doing interrogation room, the commissioning editor kept on saying to us, no, it must be Kosa. So I said, okay, this is a criminal, this is a crime drama series. Are you telling me, we're telling South Africans that in Cape Town, all criminals speak Kosa? He looked that's, at me and he went, oh shit. And I said, that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so it's about changing that mindset that mm. everybody needs to come together, irrespective of your race. Well, exactly. Look, for me, blackness is not a color skin, it's yeah. a mindset. Exactly. And there are some black, white people in this country that are more black than black people. That's true. Because they have more. They have more interests of poor black South Africans at heart than your Mawa Benzi <laughs> bloody elite. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So for me, it, it's a consciousness, you know. Yeah. And if we can all come together having that same consciousness about transforming the industry for the better of the ordinary person in this country. We run an after-school program on the Cape Flats where we're trying to teach young people to dream again. Because mm. our kids don't dream anymore, mm, right? No. They haven't got dreams no, anymore. I mean, in, 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 like, society, like, no. 
Absolutely and not. we're not teaching our kids at, at high school. Yeah. I'm not talking about government schools. Yeah. The possibility that they could be in the film industry. That's true. Right? That's when true. you when I go and talk to schools, they say, "How do you you work in this industry?" I say, "You know, when you watch a movie and you see those white sticks coming up at the end. Yeah. What is it called? Credits. All right. Yeah. Do you know what each credit is? No. I said, job. <laughs> That's a good." And they go, what? And I say, every single white thing is a a job. It's a job, that's true. It's someone paying their family. Exactly. So it's it's about making sure that we we transform our audiences, right? And the only way, how do you transform an audience? By the content, by the Mm. stories that we're telling, right? We need to transform our crew. We need to transform our producers. Mm. We also need to let our film schools realize that not everybody is going to be directors and producers. Exactly. Right? We, if I am, in, as a producer in this industry, I need a whole lot of new ADs. There's not yeah. enough ADs. Competent no, ADs. Continuity. OMG. We need continuity. What the people also don't understand is, let's talk to young people about the trajectory of their careers. So if you're coming into the industry, you want to be a director. Yes. What do you do to become a director? Yeah. You don't become a director by osmosis and overnight. No. You start out as an AD. Some of them start out as AD. Yes. Some of them start out as continuity. Yes, right? that's true. Some of them start out in camera, mm. right? And they work their way to becoming. Yes. Like I started as an AD and then I went to camera. You know, like I've, I've worked in all departments coming up. Then so the, the, I think when I go to film schools, I like to tell people. We have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. That's right? so true. Everybody wants to be the chief producer. And again, let's change that mindset. Mm. When people ask me what I do, I say I'm a storyteller, right? That's a great way. And it doesn't matter whether you're a producer, director. At the end of the day, it's the story that we're telling that's the most important thing. Yes. So I think as organizations in this industry, we need to come together. Yeah. We need to be honest with each other. South Africans need to learn that if I differ with you over something, I don't need to have to eat you, mm-hmm. right? And that comes from parliament. Even in parliament, when we disagree, that means that emotionally South Africans are still five-year-olds. We throw tantrums, mm-hmm. right? We're violent, right? We, we want to punch each other. We don't understand that debate means mm-hmm. you, you, you believe what you believe, I believe what I believe, right? Yeah. And we can come to an agreement that it's cool, right? Sometimes I can convince you, sometimes I can't convince you. Exactly. But in South Africa, what happens is that if you don't agree with me, I want to take you out. That's yeah? true. That's a psychosis. Yeah. I stand on international platforms and I say South Africans need to be in therapy. Huh? Yeah. Because we actually quite fucked up. So we polarize ourselves all the time. I'm tired of being in Johannesburg, sitting in industry gatherings, which become fistfights. Right? Mm. That means you don't have enough emotional intelligence yes. to crash out difference of opinion. Right? Yes, that's true. So we need to overcome our emotional responses and we have to start dealing with the legacy of apartheid in a honest and engaging way. Yeah. Because inevitably, look at Cape Town. She's on the beach. It becomes a racist thing. Mm. Uh, road rage, it becomes a racist thing. I myself am 
privy to that. I've been in the, in, in queues in um, supermarkets yeah. where I'm going to a white person, hey, get to the back of the queue. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But again, as South Africans, we need to realize that on a daily basis, we're dealing with legacies, and people can say, oh, but apartheid is so far away. Mm. No. Black people have not unlearned inferiority, mm-hmm. so we're always coming from a position of being defensive. That's so true. And white people have not unlearned superiority, right? It's almost God-given, I'm superior to you because I happen to be white. Yes. You know, that needs to be challenged. Exactly. So we almost all need to go through some form of, I would say, paradigm shift. Mm. And, a, and, and an emotional kind of honesty in trying to understand, let me see what it is like to be in your position yeah. before we start hurling insults and physical abuse at each other. Because this industry, I've watched it, transformation, I've been part of this transformation narrative since the 90s. Yeah. And I've seen the fists and the anger. <laughs> and no, and it's embarrassing. Exactly. Because we... We can't still be stuck there, you mm-hmm. know. We have to come to a point where we can actually engage and say, what's the best way for us to move forward? And for me, it is to have honest discussion and to see what is the best way for us to work together as a collective. I love it. I love this. Yeah. Um, so just to, um, um, just to close up the podcast, you know, um, I mean, this has been so much informative and educational for me. You know what I mean. So thank you so much for, you know, for, for coming through to the, you know, to I mean, to I mean, to this podcast. You know, I wish that we can have you every week. <laughs> I wish. Have the time, but anyway, yeah. I wish I could sit with you with you here every week and talk about these things. You know, until they become a conversation to everyone. That's become a national discourse. Exactly, because at the moment now it's a conversation in, in that corner and yeah. in that corner. You know, yeah. because people are just protecting their bread. Yeah, Sorry, food, just know? quickly, something you raised earlier about yeah. people talking off the record. Yes. The minute they have to come on record, yes. get rid of your fear, you know? Yes. Because if you're still going to be caught up in that fear, we're never going to change it. That's true. You know? And I'm sure what's happened to you, we end up being the only person in that meeting putting up a hand and, yes. and challenging. And exactly. then you become the problem child. Exactly. You know? So um, that's one of the things that's keeping us back. And that's our own black brothers and sisters who are doing that. Exactly. So they need to take responsibility for the lack exactly. of transformation as well. You know, because it's, not just it's like people. they say everything is fine. What are you talking about? Exactly. You know, but, even, but there are even white people who are saying now there's no transformation. Yeah. There are some other people who are saying yeah. that, that there's no transformation in Cape yeah. Town. You know what I mean? There are white people who are saying yeah. that. And then a black, a black person says, no, Anile, why did you say that? You're wrong. Yeah. You know? Because they want to keep nice so that they can keep their jobs. Exactly. That's not going to help anybody. Exactly. Yeah, you know. So, guys, as I, prom- as, I, as, I said, as I said to you, that this is uncensored and this is unscripted, you know. Um, yeah, this, we, we just say it as it is. We didn't talk about this before the show. You know, this is just something that we relate, you know, um, um, I'm with as, 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 as Beth, because as you can, can hear, like, her background, you know, she's been, you know, f- you know for someone who has fought for the freedom of, of, of color, you know what I mean? agreeing with the things that I'm, some of the things that I'm saying, you know. At some point, I, I thought that I was the problem, you know, because some of my black brothers were like, nah, nah, you know, which I understood because they want to keep their jobs, they don't want to reveal themselves, and then they lose work, you know. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, any last words before we can... So what I tell my students, I used to teach at Big Fish. Um, 
Damn. The only thing you, that you have. You've, you've also been to Big Fish as well. Four years ago. You've been, you've been, you are what you call, you are what you call the legend. <laughs> you are a true legend. Like, I mean, all, all the, I mean, the associations and organizations that you've mentioned, like, you know, yeah. So, yeah. So, for me, what I always tell my students is be, be yourself. The yeah. only thing that you have is who you are. So, yeah. be yourself. Don't try and change who you are. Mm. I'm tired of walking into black filmmakers in Cape Town that's, hey, what's up? You know, and yes. <laughs> they sound like, you know, yeah, exactly. um, they're from Constantia, you know. There's nothing wrong with that, but. Just be authentic. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, if I can see you being the same person in a room full of white people as you are in a room full of black people, then you're mm. okay. But if I see there's a difference, you've got issues, my friend. Yes. You know, so yes. it's about, and that's the only thing that has saved me in these past 30 years in this industry is right. being myself. Awesome. And I don't care whether you like it or not. Yes. It's who I am. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, I was, I was saying like to Kim, um, on, on the other episode that, you know, when people like you come into the podcast, you know, once this podcast gets into a, a good financial point, when people like you are coming, you know, we would have something for you so that when we can, you know, acknowledge what you've done, the contribution that you've done for the industry and say, hey, listen, thank you so much. Here's a gift. Or maybe here's your trophy that has been made, you know, <laughs> by, by the podcast saying one of our legends, you know, acknowledging you, you know what I mean? So, but my words right now, you know, they're just the words of acknowledgement of what you have done for the industry and for what you've done for, you know, for, I mean, for all of us as black people, whether black or white or whatever, you know, you know, because it's not about black, it's about freedom. It's about being free. It's about, you know, transformation, things, people changing and being transformed, being equal, you know. Um, so, and you've fought for that since day one in your life. During the struggle when I was 13, exactly. almost 16. Just so, in my yeah. 13 years old, ask me what I was thinking when I was 13 years old, where I was, I was not even thinking about the struggle when I was 13, and you were in the struggle, fighting for equality and transformation and change, you know, so thank you so much for that, we appreciate you, and um, so guys, um, that's the end of our episode for this week, um, so we'll see you on the next week.